You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. I'm Jason Buck, and this is Real Visionaries. Separate hedge funds, separate venture. You saw a lot of the big funds in the space do this, right? Like may, maybe they started as a hedge fund and then they broke out a venture strategy. And now, not surprisingly, they've grown horizontally. You see liquid strategies, you see venture strategies. Like without mentioning names, everyone's got it, right? right. Like so um, we were happy to see that. We were advocates of it. We would put out interviewer pieces. We said like, listen, this hybrid middle ground is like not gonna scale. Like as soon as institutions arrive, like. You have, you know, you look at a pension, you look at an endowment, like they have someone who covers hedge funds. They have someone who covers private equity and venture. You don't have a lot of this. Yeah. Right? So you got to get out of that. You got to start separating that. From our standpoint, it was like build into, the, into those buckets of institutional capital, build products that will fit into those, right? So we wanted to separate our hedge fund strategies from our venture strategies. Um, and, and so now, you know, when we, when we look across our, we have, we have four funds, two are open-ended hedge fund structures, super liquid, one-year lock products. Like, we want liquidity in those. We're going to stay away from all private stuff, and we're going to put private, illiquid stuff in our venture, closed-end strategies. Um, within the liquid bucket, to touch on, like, how we think about segmentation, yeah. where that's evolved, um, we, we look at four main categories in that. So, so fundamental, quantitative, market-neutral, tactical beta. Those are, those are our overarching kind of four sub-strategies, if you will, in a multi-strat context of how we would look at uh, uh, liquid investments. Fundamental is you've, you're taking some sort of fundamental value research-based approach to selecting the assets. Um, generally, that won't be Bitcoin or ETH, right? Like it doesn't really necessarily make sense to pay 2 and 20 to a manager to give you beta exposure. It happened in the early days. People got paid yeah. a fair amount to do it. But like now that's not the case, right? So where should fundamental managers be focused? Probably mostly on mid and small cap type risk. If I put my credit hat on, it's like, it's like double B and lower. Like double B, single B, triple C, right? Riskier, but, you know, the yields are higher there, right? So... Um, that's really where the fundamental manager should live is, is, is in that deep asset selection. And that's where you'll get alpha in certain periods of time. We saw that even in December, you know, crypto market beta, index beta was down 18 to 20% in December, but you had significant outperformance because you're starting to see the dispersion of returns depending on thematic categories. So like, how do you express that thesis? To me, it's through those fundamental managers on the hedge fund side that you're going to get that body of crypto, if you will, the everything else in that mid and small cap stuff. But to push back for a second, I'm curious how you think about that. Like you're saying, like especially if it's like the mid cap, you know, fundamental or yeah. even like you're, is are you playing off almost like the beta of like you're saying like when you shift from like mid cap coins or altcoins and you know from Bitcoin dominance and you have this, they kind of move up and down sometimes or vacillate back and forth. Like how do you carve out what's beta and what's actually a fundamental alpha from that manager? Yeah, I mean, that's a that's a great question. We put out a piece like, what is beta? I was going to get to that. Like, that was such a great <laughs> yeah. white paper. It's such a, like, salacious title. So, yeah, yeah, is, yeah. what is, is beta, so, right? Or, yeah, is uh, Bitcoin beta? beta yeah. is, is Bitcoin beta? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we view Bitcoin still as beta. I think it's becoming less beta. Um, we would probably look at, at, at uh, something like the BGCI more as beta now because it's a little bit more representative, kind of a top 10 market cap type thing or, or other indices like it. Like, I'm not trying to highlight one thing or another. Um, 
But yeah, that feels like beta. Bitcoin was beta at the time we put that white paper out because it was its market dominance coming into 2021 was still 70% of the market, right? On a network value basis. Now it's under 40%. Like, I think that was our base case that it would trend lower. I don't know if we would have expected it to be, you know, in the in the high 30s where it is right now. But if you see, if I believe in a multi-coin world with multiple different verticals, multiple different thematic areas, like arguably, like Bitcoin can still win, but will be less of the market dominance from a from a total network value. We need the whole space to grow, right? Um, you know, even if Bitcoin were to to you know fully lean into its digital gold thesis, digital you know gold is. $12 trillion market, Bitcoin moves to $12 trillion. Well, let's hope digital assets are a lot larger than $12 trillion, right? So, like, what's that on a percentage basis of where we think this market is going? But then if we think about it, like, mid-cap, let's just take, like, a Russell 2000, right? And you're saying, I, I want a, a fundamental manager that trades in the Russell 2000, so I'm going to use my Russell 2000 as a benchmark. So what yep. alpha can they produce beyond that? Yep. Well, I'm asking, but actually, a very simple question is almost like, if it's like uh, mid-cap coins and their fundamental manager, what yep. are you using as the benchmark tracking to see if they are actually producing? Yeah, alpha? no, I mean, that's that's a good point, right? Like, So Bitwise had a lot of indices in the early right. days, right? Like they Bitwise 10, Bitwise 50, Bitwise 100. They since kind of like backed away because it wasn't, it was harder to structure a product around the big Bitwise 50 or Bitwise 100. Mm-hmm. But arguably, like to your point, like if you're, if I, if we're, maybe three years hence from now, because we're just not there yet. Yeah. Like, it's like, we're going there. I know where you're going with that question. Like, you should arguably pay fees on someone outperforming the Bitwise 50 if, like, we're looking at small and mid-cap right. assets. Because you should be selecting assets outside that benchmark for alpha. Arguably, the alpha is that 50. Because, like, because we're still at a beta of a single asset right now. Right. So... It's like we you can talk beta alpha like all day long. Yeah, we're going alpha beta alpha. Yeah, we're just it, going. It's yeah, circular yeah. at this point yeah. in time, right? But it's because we're very early. I mean, that that's where we're going. Like, we've had we've had folks come to us and say like, I only want to pay on alpha. I don't want to pay beta. I only want to pay on alpha. Like, even in a quantitative sense, like, what's your benchmark? Uh, we saw some folks bench, benchmark to like a fifty percent Bitcoin, fifty percent cash in the, in the quant market, and say like, okay. Great, Bitcoin was up fifty percent of the portfolio. It was up X Y Z. Like, what's your market neutral return you generated on top of that, above and beyond? So you could you could play a share class that was fifty percent cash, fifty percent Bitcoin. You could play a share class that was one hundred percent Bitcoin with market neutral on top. You could play a share class that was zero percent Bitcoin and just market neutral return and only pay on the alpha. That's interesting. I think that's where like that's the type of stuff we'll get to. We're just not there yet. Yeah, I was talking to managers last week. It's like they would love to denominate in Bitcoin and then therefore anything they produce is like alpha over Bitcoin and you're collateralizing in Bitcoin. But like regulatory wise, we're just not there yet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because you got to translate that back to a U.S. dollar capital account statement. Right. And you, right? <laughs> like it's just it's the translation layer is just not there yet. Um, so I cut you off at fundamental. Like what was the other way you were thinking about some of the more like liquid um, yeah, so, so the other bucket's uh, quantitative. Uh, we call it sort of quant systematic. It's it's CTA-like strategies, right, in crypto. You're looking at like an 80% up, 40% down type return profile. So like, you know, mitigate downside risk. Arguably, if you compound over time through cycle, that will outperform. Um, if you look at our quant index from, from inception, like January 1st, 2018, like it, it significantly outperformed in, in obviously a bear market. It was a combination of that quant directional and market neutral type stuff. Um, and then fundamental kind of started zooming in 2021 past it, right? Because it was pretty flatline. But um, yeah, that, it's, it's, it's sort of some sort of systematic trend following momentum, mean reversion, some sort of algorithmic signaling um, 
you know, most of that is focused on deep liquidity stuff. So you'll stick to like Bitcoin and ETH or something you have fair market depth in, something you can have multiple exchanges. Some folks have chosen to only go with a regulated exchange and just one API because I trust this pricing source. You're creating a, a, a centralized uh, risk to that, right? If that exchange goes down, your strategy goes down. Um, but you're arguably not using offshore unregulated exchanges, which you maybe know, don't trust pricing. And so, you know, there's trade-offs in Trade-offs that. everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole space is filled. The world's full yeah. of trade-offs, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, but that, that's that quantitative bucket. And that's we call that quant directional. Um, that's going to, it's a character foil sort of to the market neutral. And market neutral doesn't necessarily have to be quantitative in nature. It can be. When I talk about market neutral, I think in, in a crypto sense, um, it's not I'm, I'm gross long, I'm gross short, I'm netting to my market neutral risk. It's not like equity long short. It's true like true alpha, right, from non-directional things. So that should be low correlation, low beta, low directionality, centralized margin lending, basis trading, mm. uh, DeFi, liquidity provisioning where you're selling perpetuals to isolate your, you know, your yield there. Um, you know, spot arb was was the 2017 vintage of that right bitcoin's trading yeah. at, at different prices across a lot of different exchanges i'm going to buy from this one and sell that one the the moat was that i can get a banking relationship geographically there um that alpha compressed it degraded over time like the, the biggest question we get in that market neutral category is like what do you think about alpha degradation over time in that product like it's there right now the returns look great is it just going to go away and I would say, no, it's not going to go away. It's going to shift. So that you know, spot exchange ARB has largely been commoditized. The basis trade when coming into 2021 was annualizing at 30 35%. I mean, just buy spot, sell front yeah. one CME futures. You trade front yeah. futures. I mean, it, like th- there was opportunities like that because there wasn't a ton of cash in crypto and there was different market participants that were trading futures and spot. And so, you know, the basis trading has come in a little bit, but now you see funding radar stuff on on the perpetuals. And, and you know, to draw the parallel to, to credit derivatives, like in that early market, there was only a five-year tenor and you had your whole bond curve, right, with multiple maturities and you had to trade one five-year CDS point against your whole bond curve. And, and like, okay, fine, but like, Get a, get a term structure of CDS. So ultimately, there became a one-year, two-year, three-year, five-year, seven-year, ten-year, tenor there. And then, and then it went quarterly. So like the opportunity to think about matching that off against, against your bond portfolio to the quarterly date. Like I, I think this company will go bankrupt, but it's going to go bankrupt between like September <laughs> and December. And that's like, right? Yeah. And, that, and then that's the granularity that you got to. Yeah. And then that was like, that was light years after just a five-year tenor. Yeah. Like, is it going to go, is it going to make it? Is it not? Was your bet on that CDS? This was, it's going to make it or it might not make it, but it's going to make it in this three-month period. And if it does, I'm going to kill it. Hey there, revolutionaries. To join a community sharing insights like the one you've just watched, head over to realvision.com. There you will get unbiased insights and exclusive access to the very best, brightest and biggest names in finance. Be a part of our community of lifelong learners. See you there. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com.